any man who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And he's saying, stop looking at people under the old way, under the way they used to look. Look at them as a new creation. Verse 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You're speaking on behalf of Jesus when you preach to the world. Come back to God. Be reconciled to God. For God, verse 21, this is where I've been trying to get. This is where I started days ago. This is where we read all of that. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. The original says to become sin itself so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What does the King James say? God, who, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, say it with me, the righteousness of God in Christ. Everything we read from chapter 4 to the end of chapter 5 and as you'll see here in a moment, going back to Genesis itself, was headed right there. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you see in these other translations what that word righteousness means. And at the direction of the Lord, I want us to spend some time this week, going into the next weeks to come, talking about righteousness. Now, we're going to talk about what it means and where it comes from and, and how you become that and all that, but I just want to start with this foundation right here. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And these other translations bring out simply what that means. It means you've been made right. The word righteousness is not a word we use very often in our vernacular anymore, but it just simply means made right. You might see other translations that say right standing with God. I'll say it to you like this. Righteousness is your right to stand with God. You've been made right. I heard a comedian a couple of years ago, I think it was, talking about going into a doctor's office. Going in for a checkup and he was sitting in the office when the doctor came in. He said, hey, how you doing? What, what, what brings you in today? And this guy pointed to this little area right above his knee. And he said, doctor, you see, this, you see this small area right here? And the doctor said, yeah. And he said, this is where it doesn't hurt. <laughs> what, what's he saying? Everything else hurts. This is the only place it doesn't hurt. This is where it doesn't hurt. And I got to tell you, I think that's where most people are living life. If you say to anybody, how's it going? Be careful who you say that to. Because they may see that as an open door to start telling you about all the things that are wrong with them. 
Everything that's wrong in their bodies, everything that's wrong in the marriage, everything that's wrong in the family, everything that's wrong in the finances, everything that's wrong at work, everything that's wrong at school. And if you ask anybody anywhere to tell me, is there anything wrong with you, they could give you a list, write you a book, and they could do it without even trying. People are so aware. Have you noticed this? So aware, keenly aware of what's wrong all the time. They live with a constant awareness of what's wrong. How do you know that? Because they're constantly talking about it. This is the topic of people's conversation all over the world. Talking what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. But here's the thing. If you are a born-again child of God, if you are a believer, then what you need to know is there's something right with you. And I mean right now. Not something that will be right with you. Not something that in heaven one day is going to be right. I'm talking to you about what's right with you right now. And we're going to have to come to the place where we can rattle off what's right with us as easily as somebody else can rattle off what's wrong with them. That's why we're starting something brand new today. I'm going to call this series, What's Right With You? Because you need to know what's right with you. And according to this scripture, there's something that's right with you. Somebody say it. There's something right with me. Say it again. There's something right with me. And when you called on the Lord Jesus and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you were saved. That's in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Just a few verses later in verse 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When the Bible says whoever, guess what it means? Whoever. Whoever. You're a whoever. I'm a whoever. And when you called on the name of the Lord, I don't care what was wrong with you. The moment you made Jesus Lord, something became right with you. And you're going to have to find out what that is. That's what righteousness is. It's what's right with you right now. Um, thank you, Lord. How do we want to do this today? Go to the book of Romans, please, chapter 4. I'll read Colossians 1 to you while you're looking for Romans 4. Verse 20 says, By him, Jesus, God reconciled all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross... And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. Do you hear this word continue to come up? Reconciliation. I know this is Resurrection Sunday, but I want you to look at what happened in connection to the resurrection. And it's your, it's your reconciliation. Now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Why? To present you holy. Well, there's something right with you. Holy is right. To present you blameless. There's something else right with you. And above reproach in his sight. People, particularly in the world we're living in right now, you hear this often. They blame their ungodly lives, their lifestyle. They blame their sin. And you hear them say things like, I can't help it, I was born this way. 
Have you heard that before? I can't help it. I was born this way. My response to that might actually surprise you. To someone who says, I was born this way. I don't want to get into arguments with them or anybody about it. But just for the sake of discussion, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so you were born that way. You want to know the truth? We were all born that way. We were all born flawed. We were all born into sin. We were all born into unrighteousness. So in a sense, we were all born that way, right? Which is why God is not so interested in the way you were born as he is in the way you were reborn. Reborn. Yeah, you were born into sin, but you were reborn into holiness. You were born flawed, but you were reborn flawless. Yes, you were born into unrighteousness. I was, you were, all of us, but we were reborn into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I think I just need to hear you say it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, that's one of the biggest things you or anybody else could say. It is a massive statement. It is such a huge statement that religious spirits can't stand it. How dare you claim to be righteous? Oh, we know Jesus is. Yes, we understand Jesus is righteous, but how dare you claim to be righteous? How dare you claim to be holy and blameless? How dare you, right? It's a massive statement. And people, when they hear you say it, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, they want to say, well, yeah, well, how'd you become that way? You know what the answer is? I was reborn this way. I was reborn this way. What way? Righteous. With a right to stand in the presence of God. How'd you become that way? Was it something you did? No. Was it something you worked for? No. Was it something you earned? Did God come knocking on your door one day and say, wow, you have kept every law so precisely, so perfectly. I owe you some righteousness. I owe you some salvation. No, none of those things happened. How did you become this way? Answer me, church. Come on, answer me, church. How did you become the righteousness of God? I was reborn this way. That's your answer. I was reborn this way. In the book of Romans chapter 4, man, I got to hurry. Would y'all listen quicker, please? Romans chapter 4. This is another one of those chapters. I mean, we could read all of chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I mean, it's all preaching the same thing. But in Romans chapter 4, down around verse 16, it's talking about Abraham. It says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's us. Who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom he believed. God 
who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was accounted to him, talking about Abraham, for righteousness. Righteousness. Why was it accounted to Abraham for righteousness? One reason. He believed. He believed God. And you see that echoed all throughout this chapter. He believed God. That's, that's what he did to be counted righteous in the sight of God. And this same chapter tells us that if Abraham's righteousness was according to works, he could boast, but it wouldn't be before God. It wasn't according to works. He believed. Abraham believed what God said. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. But listen to verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be. What it? Come on, I heard it. What is it? Righteousness shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up, listen to this, verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses. That means he went to the cross because of our sin. But what he did in the cross, I hope you're awake, is different than what he did in the resurrection. We sort of lump all these things in together, and to an extent, that's fine. But listen to this verse. It draws a delineating line between what happened at the cross and what happened in resurrection. Yes, he went to the cross for your sin. And when he died, the price for your sin and mine was paid. But if that's all that had happened, it would be basically a note that said, okay, your debt's paid. You had a debt, and it's paid so now you don't owe it. And if that's all it was, that'd be enough to be thankful, right? But that's, all, that's what it would have been if all that had happened was the cross and his death. Because he goes on to say in verse 25, he was delivered up because of our offenses, our sin, and was raised because of our justification, because of our righteousness. One translation says, so that we could be declared righteous, if all that had happened was the cross, it would just show that a debt was paid. But because of the resurrection, it completely wiped out that there ever was a debt to begin with. Your debt's not just paid, it's totally gone. And you, because of that, are righteous in the eyes of God. We couldn't be righteous we could not have a right to stand with God if Jesus hadn't been resurrected. Our debt would be paid, and thank God we wouldn't have to pay it. But what he did in his resurrection gave us the right to stand in the presence of God as though, I don't even know if you're ready for this, 
as though you'd never sinned. Not just that you sinned and it got taken care of, as though you never had. Holy, blameless, irreprovable, without reproach in his sight. Now this chapter 4 goes right into chapter 5. I bet you knew that. And all of this is about righteousness. But if you fast forward to verse 10, the Bible says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we'll be saved by his life. Not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That reconciliation and righteousness, I mean, it's essentially saying the same thing. Have you ever been at odds with somebody? You ever had a falling out, an argument, and there was distance between you, but the two of you reconciled? Well, what do you say? Well, are, are we good? That's how we like to say it, right? Are we good? That's how guys, maybe I should say it. This is how guys say it. We good? There's a lot of unspoken things being said right there in that segment. We good? Yeah, we good. The kids... Uh, our kids just a few weeks ago had a little argument with each other and got sent to their respective bedrooms. And um, when, when I came back to deal with it, I saw that our daughter, Jessie, had written a note and apologizing to her brother, Justice, and put it on several sticky notes and stuck it to his door. And it was very sweet. And he wrote a note back that said, I think it said, best friends forever. And at the end of it, it said, hug it out. Hug it out. What's he saying? We good? It's reconciliation. I know that's a very simple way of explaining it, but you know what you can say in the presence of God now? We good? You know what he says? Hug it out. Nothing between us. Reconciled. Righteous. Now he says in verse 12, therefore just as through, now listen to this, just as through one man sin entered the world. Now, what man is he talking about? Adam. And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. When Adam sinned, it opened the door. And when sin came into the world, it didn't come alone. What came with it was death. Now, this should not have been a surprise to these two. Adam and Eve, because God had told them, in the day you eat of this fruit, what's going to happen? You shall surely die. The only problem is, when we read the account of what happened in the Garden of Eden, Eve took the fruit, gave it to her husband, he ate, and in our concept of death, they didn't seem to die, because when we think of death, we think of cessation, right? The cessation of a heartbeat. Where, where once there was, there was a, a living tissue pumping blood because of death, now it, the fountain's dry. Where once there was life in the body, body, when death occurs, the body falls lifeless to the ground. So when you read about what happened to Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit and they didn't die. Or did they? Did they? Maybe we need to better understand what death actually is. Because when they sinned, it opened the door. And when sin came in, death came with it. And death, as you'll read throughout this in Romans chapter 5, 
reigned over all men. Death reigned. Now what's so tragic about that was up until that moment, Adam had been the man. God gave him the place of authority in the garden and told him to keep it. And that word keep means to protect and to tend it. And when he let sin and death in, he gave all that authority away. But he didn't just give his authority away. He gave your authority away. He gave away our authority. When sin entered and death came with it, and death, the Bible says, right here in Romans 5, reigned over all men. But then he starts talking about Jesus. And he says in uh, verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who's a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more, oh, don't you like those words, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came through many offenses resulted in justification or righteousness. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a gift. And it's the gift that came to us through Jesus. Adam gave away your authority. Jesus got it back. But if you don't understand what's right with you, you'll never operate in that authority. You'll never be able to execute that authority. You've got to know and understand what's right with you. Now, Without taking the time to turn back there, I told you this goes all the way back to Genesis. What Adam and Eve did the moment they, were, they, the moment they sinned, you remember what the Bible says they realized? They realized they were naked, unclothed. Is that not where we started just a few minutes ago? About having a tent, having a house? They realized they lost the one they had. So you remember what they did? In an attempt to cover themselves. This is self-righteousness. In an attempt to hide shame, in an attempt to cover flaws and to hide nakedness, they made clothes from fig leaves. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> Not comfortable. Clothes made by human hands. And they dressed themselves in it. And it's a pathetic attempt, isn't it? To cover for yourself. It's a pathetic attempt to hide your shame. And that's what self-righteousness is. This pathetic attempt to hide, to cover, to dress yourself up, in your got-it-all-togetherness. And you may have some people fooled. But in the eyes of God, 
It's as pathetic as Adam's fig leaf speedo. And they thought, I suppose, they were going to be able to convince God that they weren't naked. That they were clothed. And God came walking in the cool of the evening. Adam, where are you? He found them and Adam said, we hid ourselves because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? And that's when the blame game started. Well, she did and she said, well, the snake did. And you know the story. And in that moment of the fall, God told Adam what he had let into the earth. Because of this, he began to explain to him, you've lost your place. He began to explain to him, if you're going to eat, it's, not, it's no longer going to be a free gift. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to toil for it. It'll be by the sweat of your own brow. Don't you know Adam just looked back at him and said, What's sweat? The man had never sweat for anything in his life. It had all been a gift. But God went to work right then on what we call the plan of redemption. He wasted no time. You know what he did? He said, guys, we're going to have to do something about these fig leaves. Oh, you noticed, huh? Yeah. And the first thing to ever shed its blood for man was an animal so that God could give him a suit of clothes. And that's why Genesis chapter 3 says in verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, or no, excuse me, uh, verse 21, also Adam and his wife, uh, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Isn't that something? The first thing to ever die and shed its blood was, the, was so that we could be covered properly. And it was a suit not made by Adam, not made by Eve, not made by human hands, made by God himself. That animal died as a sacrifice, and every animal from that one all the way through the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. There's a sacrifice coming. There's one coming that'll shed its blood. But it won't be the blood of bulls and goats. It won't be the blood of sheep and ram. It'll be the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will be the final sacrifice. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.